Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source for all things IFRS. I'm your host, Rahaza Sheikh. Today, we'll be wrapping up our mini-series on sustainability-related reporting, at least for now. There are two key areas I'd like to cover, which I hope you'll find useful. I have Henry Dorbinet joining me today to provide us on his thoughts on sustainability-related reporting and what the future holds. Henry is the Global Chief Accountant and the Head of Reporting at PwC. And in addition to talk us through the responses to PwC's comment letter on the IWSB exposure drafts, I have Scott Bandura joining us again. And just to remind our listeners, Scott is a partner in our Global Accounting Consulting Services team who helped draft PwC's response to the IWSB exposure drafts. Welcome to IFRS Talks, Henry and Scott. Hi Rahaza, great to be here and to discuss such an important topic. Hello Rahaza, yeah, great to be here again. So let's begin with our response letter. Henry, maybe if I turn to you first, can you share some thoughts on the IWSB and how they fit into the global reporting environment? Yes, more than happy to do that Rahaza. Uh, for those who may not be familiar with the IWSB, it is a new sustainability standard setting board that was created in November 2021 by the IFRS Foundation as a response to the demand from investors and stakeholders for high quality, transparent, reliable and comparable sustainability reporting. The IWSB plans to deliver a comprehensive global baseline of sustainability related disclosure standards in order to meet this need. The board has been moving rapidly to achieve these objectives, issuing two exposure drafts at the end of March, one on general sustainability disclosure requirements and the other on climate disclosures with comments due by the end of the month, last month. Uh, and that's what we're going to, Scott's going to talk about a little bit, how we responded. PwC is very supportive of IWSB and its ambition. We believe that it is best positioned to provide the comprehensive global baseline for sustainability reporting in the context of enterprise value, as it is part of the IFRS Foundation, who has a strong reputation as a standard setter. When looking more broadly at sustainability reporting, we are very encouraged by the IWSB Memorandum of Understanding with GRI, which expands the global baseline to sustainability impact reporting. A lot going on, Raza. Thanks, Henry. And for the benefit of our listeners, you know, we've previously touched on this interaction with the GRI and the IWSB, and I'll link to that podcast in the talking points that will accompany this podcast. So you mentioned the comment letter deadline, which has just passed for the IWSB exposure drafts. And as a network of firms, PwC has been collaborating to formulate responses to that exposure draft. Scott, perhaps I can turn to you to get your thoughts on what are some of the higher priority items that we've been mindful of when drafting PwC's response letter. Looking at the uh, IFRS Foundation's website, over 600 comment letters have been received by the by the IWSB on the exposure draft. So I think that shows how important the ISSB's projects are. As as mentioned, I'll go through a little bit about PwC's response. I know the staff of the IWSB are busy analyzing those 600 comment letters, which will take them a, a, a little bit. But I think we saw a lot of uh, consistent themes with some of the comments that that we'd given as well. 
the first one I'll talk about is materiality. And materiality obviously has a lot of different connotations when it comes to financial reporting and sustainability reporting. It's gotten a lot of debate over the last few months, and we agree with the IWSB's approach of assessing materiality in regards to enterprise value as part of the global baseline. However, we do also support the ISSB's collaboration with GRI, acknowledging GRI's broader perspective on materiality, which may be voluntarily used by entities or required by some regulators. And our recommendations to the IWSB included the distinction in reporting any information in excess of the global baseline in order to assist with the comp comparability of global baseline reporting. In terms of enterprise value, which is what the materiality is based on uh, from an IWSB perspective, as I've mentioned, we support the the, the view that uh, these standards should look at enterprise value as the global baseline. Our recommendation, however, was to look at more explicitly the fair value concepts within IFRS as a benchmark, such as IFRS 13 fair value measurement. And to do this, we recommended the use of a management approach to identify and, uh, and assess an entity's significant sustainability risks and opportunities. Once those significant risks are identified, we supported using a fair value approach to determine what is material to report in respect of those risks. We feel these recommendations can help mitigate against entities feel, feeling compelled to include boilerplate disclosures of potential risks that are not material to enterprise value because we think it is important that entities provide useful information through these disclosures and not just boilerplate disclosures. The, the standards will be most useful where uh, users are able to discern what is the, the most important information being reported. Uh, building on the views shared around materiality, we also noted that certain emerging risks may be monitored by management as part of strategic planning and to understand the potential headwinds that a business may face. We appreciate that it may be difficult to precisely quantify the impact of some of these emerging risks on current enterprise value of an entity. So to the extent that a sustainability-related risk is being actively monitored by management in its strategic planning for a business, we believe there should be a presumption that such a risk is material to enterprise value and hence should form part of the significant sustainability risk unless it can be overcome by clear evidence. There is a focus on industry guidance as well in the exposure draft, and we acknowledged in our response that using the SASB, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board's guidance provides helpful a helpful starting point for entities. However, we do believe that the board should continue to evaluate and make enhancements to that SASB industry guidance, as the current industry classification and industry metrics might be considered excessively granular, and therefore, you know, th that could lead to unnecessary inconsistencies across industries. So we believe that SASB guidance wouldn't be shouldn't be mandated at the outset of the application of the exposure drafts and that a little bit more work should be done to coordinate and consolidate some of that guidance. In terms of uh, joint arrangements and associates, this gets into the reporting boundary. And this was a key area in our response letter as, as we believe that determining the appropriate reporting entity for ESG reporting is important for relevance and comparability particularly since some industries make significant use of that type of uh, investment structure. And therefore, we recommended that the ISSB establish a general principle that information should be provided for such investments where it's material to investors, but that it should be clearly distinguished from information given about the consolidated group.
Overall, there's also a, a growing demand for more transparent, consistent, and globally comparable sustainability reporting. And part of that is achieved through assurance on such information, so third-party assurance. We definitely support the direction that the IWSB is taking, including the recognition that assurance has a critical role in building trust in the information being reported. And in order to meet the expectation of investors and other stakeholders, the ultimate ambition, we believe, should be reasonable assurance over the entirety of an entity's disclosures on significant sustainability-related risks and opportunities taken as a whole. And this would involve a collaborative effort between accounting standards setters and assurance standard setters, preparers and practitioners, etc., in order to establish the framework standards, guidance, and reporting needed to deliver on this ambition. Thanks, Scott. That's really helpful. I know, like, we've got quite a detailed comment letter, so it's really helpful to understand, you know, what the key issues were and the key comments that we raised were. So if we were to take each exposure draft in turn, are there any specific points that you'd like our listeners to be aware of in respect of the general exposure draft? Well, I just emphasize that the general exposure draft covers the broad spectrum of ESG issues and requires an entity to disclose information about significant sustainability risks that an entity faces. Uh, the structure of this general exposure draft is based on TCFD and therefore covers the key pillars for those risks like governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and targets. Even before the standard is finalized, entities may want to start to think about the key risks that they face from a sustainability perspective and gather information relevant to those pillars. Getting a good understanding of what's material from an investor standpoint and what the entity is monitoring and managing is likely to be critical in implementing the standard. And in most cases, we expect that the investor and entity perspectives will be aligned. There's a lot of SASB-based industry guidance included in an appendix to the exposure draft. It's not expected entities that will mandatorily have to apply this industry guidance at the outset of the standards. And as mentioned, we do think there could be some further work done to consolidate and, and subject that information to further due process. That being said, we would encourage entities to look at this industry guidance and focus on what the most relevant aspects are for the business. We do think also that common metrics should be prioritized and some of the common metrics that might be relevant across industries are included in a World Economic Forum report entitled Measuring Stakeholder Capitalism Towards Common Metrics and Consistent Reporting of Sustainable Value Creation. So that's a good report to look at. Perfect. Thanks, Scott. And we can include a link to that report as well in the talking points that will accompany the podcast. And maybe if we move on to the climate exposure draft, are there any specific points you'd highlight here in our comment letter? Well, I think entities will be in different stages on the climate journey. For those entities that are already complying fully with TCFD, the climate standard may not be as challenging to apply as for those entities that have not applied TCFD in the past. However, even those entities currently applying the TCFD framework may not have complied with all aspects of it. For example, some entities don't present scope three emissions or some entities uh, don't pre present uh, scenario analysis. So it'll be important to understand what choices the entity has made and what, what aspects are being complied with currently. It will also be important to understand what choices the company has made in presenting emissions information. There are various choices under the GHG protocol and some are more aligned with financial reporting than others. So understanding where your company is on the TCFD journey is a great starting point. If your company's not applying TCFD currently, taking a look at 
companies in the same industry that have prepared TCFD compliant information might also be a good exercise. Thanks, Scott. And that's a really helpful summary of both an overview of the, the key issues we started with and then individual issues in each of the exposure drafts as well. And as you mentioned previously, the comment letter is publicly available on the IFS website, and we can include a link to that on the uh, talking points as well. So now, if we move across to, I guess, what I've referred to as a wrap-up of the mini-series, I think it's fair to say that it's definitely not going to be the last that we'll hear about sustainability reporting. But Henry, if I turn to you, what can our listeners expect over, say, the next half of the year? Uh, I, I think you're completely correct, Rahaza. There is uh, definitely far from the last, but I appreciate we're, we're wrapping up the mini-series, so just uh, doing it in that context. Uh, there is lots and lots going on. If, if I go through the, the main uh, standard setting bodies uh, with regard to IWSB, they've issued a request for feedback via a staff paper for the development of a taxonomy to enable digital reporting. The deadline for comment on this is the 30th of September. And the IWSB has stated that its aim is to publish the proposed taxonomy for public consultation after the standards which are currently being exposed are issued. I think this is really an important area and I would again encourage people to read and get engaged in this. The taxonomy is how the reporting is put in a digital form and, and I know more and more of financial reporting is in digital report. So I, I know a key area that both the IASB and the IWSB are focusing on. It was good to see the IWSB held its inaugural board meeting in July, in which the board discussed its approach to preparing a request for information on its agenda priorities, i.e. where it's going to focus next. This will be open to public consultation. There's currently ongoing research and stakeholder outreach taking place to determine which projects will be included in that request for information. I think this is a really important thing for the second half of this year when the board publishes that agenda consultation. And I think it's a clear statement of intent from the board, the pace that they're doing that, that, that their role is much greater than climate. I think the other thing that clearly we're all going to be expecting is the issuance of the two standards, which we have just talked about, the comments to those exposure drafts, which we are hoping we will see by the end of this year. Within Europe, they were very busy um, with the issuing in late April of the 13 ESRS exposure drafts by FRAG. Uh, everybody is feverishly working to provide their comments on that with the deadline of the 8th of August. Again, we are expecting a quick turnaround from Europe, so may well get those standards issued by the end of the year. So uh, lots to us to do with new standards coming out towards the back end of this year. The SEC obviously has closed its um, request for information on its climate disclosures. However, that hasn't stopped it from being busy. They've issued two new rules in the ESG space, primarily impacting on funds and advisors. The first new rule proposes enhanced disclosure requirements for funds and investment advisors that market themselves as having an ESG focus. The proposed disclosures would be in the fund prospectus and then the management discussion of the fund performance section of the annual reports. 
the second rule would expand the applicability of something that the SEC calls its names rule to funds. And this focus on particular investment characteristic, such as ESG or growth. The proposals would standardise naming and disclosure requirements for funds that consider ESG factors in their investment allocations in an effort to provide more decision-useful information to investors. I think we see here very much the SEC's focus and concern around the fund management industry, perhaps greenwashing on some of the funds that they're putting out there. And these rules, I think, are trying to provide consistency and quality in the reporting that the funds and investment advisors are making. Thanks, Henry. That's a that's a helpful overview. So definitely, as you said, lot, lots going on and lots more to come in the next half of the year. So can you perhaps share how PwC is overall helping to drive trust and solve important problems with respect to sustainability reporting? Of course, Rahaza. I think PwC have been significant advocates from, from an early stage in driving actually the need for the IWSB and, and, and encouraging the foundation to do that. And clearly the purpose of that is the market demand and all the stakeholder demand for high quality sustainability standards and and to be frank the the removal of the alphabet soup of standard setters and i think we have delighted to see the significant steps taken towards achieving this but ultimately for this information to be trusted it will need to be high quality and it will need to be assured i think as scott mentioned companies will need to think about how they are going to adopt TCFD, the risks and the disclosures around that, but also around the developing the systems and processes to collect and report the metrics and targets that TCFD uh, require. And likewise, as Scott said, for that information to be valuable, it needs to be trusted. The ESG ecosystem needs to work with the assurance standard setters to ensure that we have high quality assurance standards as we have high quality ESG standards that will underpin the assurance of this this information, avoiding greenwashing and ensuring that the ESG reporting that we've just talked about can be trusted. From PwC's perspective, we will continue to keep you informed on the latest developments and lots will be coming down the line, I'm sure, providing content and insight into the world of sustainability reporting. This information will be via our global and EU-focused sustainability newsletters, a number of IFRS talks as, as, the, as we are doing here. The good news is all of this information and other great content can be found on the ESG homepage of Viewpoint that is available to all. Significant progress has been made, but much more is needed. And we are looking forward to sharing our perspectives with you as we continue on the ESG journey. Thanks, Henry. So it is, it's an area that continues to develop and I'm sure we'll revisit it again to see how the reporting requirements are progressing, uh, perhaps later this year. And as you mentioned, the ESG homepage on Viewpoint, we can include a link to that as well. So listeners can find that useful link very, very easily. So finally, Henry, I'd like to ask you if you have any further thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners. 
perhaps maybe a bit of a prediction on what we might see on sustainability reporting over the next few years, a bit longer term, let's say. As I say, given the pace of how everything's moving, that, that's probably a bold thing, but but I'll give it a go, Rahaza. I, I think great news is the pace that we have seen, particularly IWSB drive forward with the exposure drafts on, on the general disclosure and the climate change. I think it's really important that they move beyond climate. Uh, I think the issues facing society are much broader than that. And the agenda consultation that the IWSB board is going to be issuing in the second half of this year is going to be really important uh, and a key area of focus. I think the other thing that's important is they engage and interact with the IASB where there are common grounds. There is the value of having these two boards under the foundation, and that's because there are common areas. Uh, the man management commentary and linking with the agenda consultation, I think, are both going to be really important areas. More broadly, uh, with this in mind, sustainability reporting has been and will continue to evolve rapidly. Therefore, I encourage our listeners to read, get engaged and respond to the requests of standard setters to not only help shape sustainability reporting, but also understand how to be best prepared to report under the new sustainability standards that are coming down the pipe very quickly. So I think that brings us to the, the close of this podcast. Henry, Scott, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting to hear your thoughts on the issue and also just to gain a better understanding of PwC's views through the common letter that has been submitted. This is by no means the end, and I'm sure we will come back to revisit sustainability-related reporting as things progress. But for now, that is a wrap-up, and I hope our listeners found it useful. Thank you for listening, and until next time, happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers, LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Mm -hmm.